you are hearing this, you are receiving a signal from another planet. Fanboy planet. Watch animated chicks with inflatable breasts. You might be a Trekkie. Sit back and watch as the Uber geek goes and kicks it up a notch. Turn to the letter F in your dictionary and add this word to your vocabulary. Take a look, cause I'm the real McCoy. Damn it, Jim, I'm not a doctor. I'm just the definition of a fanboy, baby. I'm a nerd overdrive. I will always survive. Infinity War actually was Yes. So, but, but, but my point is, if you go to an AMC, it's not, you know, that's not the real IMAX. No, it's you know, digital it's, IMAX. You know, then then what's the point? I'm paying extra. Well, it is a different ratio. It is. It's a higher resolution and it's a different aspect ratio. But it's but not, it's the, not the same. Screen. But it's not yeah. the. It's not the. the you know, it's not what the right. what they're advertising as IMAX. So, yeah. Did uh, did you read Sal's uh, article about the Pruneyard Cinemas? Yeah, yeah. That is, so, um, I didn't know I've gone in this. there, and it's the the spacing between seat rows is actually it's it's a little problematic because if you look at the maps online to pick your seat, yeah, five rows back looks still pretty close, but every it's like double the distance no i you know i've learned that but that's because the um amc universal yeah city walk is the is the same way almost all the amcs down in la are that way and yeah the map looks terrible but i we went to infinity war sat in the second row and it was fine yeah and uh you know so it, it, yeah i i've learned that but you have to you have to learn that's the style I don't know how they're making it. Well, I guess they're probably spending a little more money. I don't know. Uh, charging a little more money. I don't know. Oh, how you know how they can make it? With it's the reduced food. Because they will they will bring you they bring you food to your seat. Yes, uh, I know. I, and I looked over the menu and they're gonna make a lot of money on food. I feel like that was an option at the Mountain View Century. I'm not positive. Uh, or if it's that they will if you if your movie's going to start. No, I've 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 never seen them offer the bar does. The bar will bring cocktails. Will it? Because my hmm. brother and I sat, uh, took my son to Rogue One, and and my brother was really impressed that like suddenly there were waiters coming in bringing huh. cocktails. They don't call it MacGuffins. That's the AMC one. But uh, oh yeah, you should check out the um, the <laughs> you should check out the Universal City Walk AMCs because their MacGuffins is an actual you know full set apart bar up above. Uh-huh. So you go to the second floor, there it is, and, and, and there are seats to the balcony of the IMAX. So they have two screens that have balconies still, and uh, and then the and then there's the entrance to the IMAX theater. So they've got this huge section above what would be the concessions below, so they've turned it, that's become the full bar. It's the biggest MacGuffins I've ever seen. Huh. Not the biggest MacGuffin I've ever seen. That would be you're confused. I, I was confused through a large part of this because I didn't. I realize now that MacGuffins is a chain rest, restaurant or something, chain bar. It's it's a it is the bar in AMC theaters. Oh, okay. Their bar. All right. So the one in the one in uh, El Paseo is also MacGuffins then. Yes. It's yeah. It's okay. So they've yes. got a they've actually got one that's a little more barish than. And it's tiny. Yeah. You know th- that one. I don't think that one was built well 
you know, because people can walk behind it. Yeah, it it it's kind of looks. Ex- it actually impresses me. Like one of those, it's a pop up bar. Like it, it, <laughs> like it's one of the cardboard display things that they had to assemble, and then they, they had to make sure the the shelves were heavy enough to hold bottles of alcohol. Right, right, yeah. right. So, yeah. Well, I guess we can get started. This is Derek McCaw, editor in chief of FanboyPlanet.com, and we are podcasting virtually tonight across the uh, graciousness of Skype hoping it maintains function and across running the board, I assume at the Brett cave, but I don't know that for sure. You are in an undisclosed location. Let's keep it a secret today. I'm Rick Brett Snyder. Yes, there we go. And, uh, so we've got some comics news, some movie news, some TV news to talk about tonight. But before we do want to mention that, you know, the past few podcasts, we have had ads up front. Uh, We have sponsors. Ad sounds so, uh, it's just, uh, you know, jingles. uh, it was crass. We had jingles. No, well, there were there were some there was some music. So anyway, we'd like to say you know up, up front we we certainly had uh, sponsors for the podcast. And if you are interested in in you have a project or a product, you know maybe a Kickstarter coming up, something like that, that you would like to advertise on the Fanboy Planet podcast, by all means, you can write to us at editor at fanboyplanet dot com, and we can discuss the uh, terms as well as we will produce an ad for you i believe last let the, the last podcast rick mentioned that, that we, yes he is happy to run a full service uh, advertising firm for you on the family <laughs> podcast we got voices that's all right we got jingles oh we got jingles at the wazoo so uh Anyway, of course, that's also, if you've listened to us on your podcatcher, by all means, tell your friends to tell you how to find it. But we'd also like to mention that, of course, if you're listening to this on a podcatcher, such as I, again, Apple Podcasts, that's what they call it now. I keep wanting to say iTunes, and I know that's not the branding they want us to have. But if you're listening to us there and you would like to go to fanboyplanet.com, each and every podcast has its own page, which now is including a table of contents. So if you really listen to us for the movie news I know everybody listens for the full conversation and they want the whole panoply of everything that goes through our head each week. But if you're focused on one thing or another, one particular topic, uh, there is a table of contents now being added in. And it's good because I think it's also keeping us a little honest. It it allows me to see how much much time we spend on a certain, any given topic. So that's good. It's a little self-regulation. I like it. And, of course, if there's anything we talk about on this podcast that you would like to own for your very self and you cannot find it at your local brick-and-mortar store, you are welcome to use the Amazon links that are on fanboyplanet.com. Sometimes there are direct links to things we've talked about, but there's always a search box for Amazon. And when you use that, we get a small little bit back for every purchase you make through Amazon through Fanboy Planet. As well, we are affiliated with Think Geek, So if you just want to Think Geek and you want to shop about a lot of geeky stuff... I what is this week? Uh, of course, it's all Star Wars stuff heading up because of Solo, a Star Wars story opening. But there's plenty of stuff, and we are affiliated with there. You use the ad boxes there on Fanboy Planet. And, of course, turn off your ad, so- ad blocking software temporarily, just just enough to go to ThinkGeek. And uh, we get a small remuneration there as well. And if you would just like to help defray the cost of hosting a podcast on a website, you may, of course, donate directly to PayPal at editor at fanboyplanet.com. And if you've got any questions, comments, compliments, commentary, criticism, write in to editor at fanboyplanet.com, such as listener Chris Buckley. I think this is a three-peat because he did add after our last podcast. Uh I'm just going to say it now. 
that, yes, he looked it up, that Mark Wade was indeed the creator of Triumph in Justice League, the forgotten Justice Leaguer, who then Mark Wade came back to Avengers No Surrender and wrote the parody of his own character for the Squadron Sinister in Avengers No Surrender. Very so, nice. Good research. Yes. Yes. He also said, added to, to me that he has been reading Tony Isabella's Black Lightning and wondered what we thought about it. And I, said, we, I, I called it out, the uh, first issue of the revival, and it is interesting that not only did Tony Isabella create with Trevor Von Eden the original Black Lightning, which is fantastic on, on the CW as well, but the original thing, which is available as a trade paperback, and was a great, great character. Uh, the DC brought him back here in the Rebirth era to kind of redesign Black Lightning for the modern to- modern continuity. It's not the same as the old, uh, and it's not the same supporting cast as is on the television show either, but I like that they gave Isabella a chance to kind of revision. I don't know why Trevor Von Eden didn't come back. I, you know, so there's there's nothing nefarious there. It's just, I, I really have no idea. Business. But it's it's... It's really yeah, it's business. Yeah, forget it. It's it's business, and it's it's the DC universe, Jake, and it's uh, it's really cool to see that. Just as they had brought back Jerry Conway to kind of get Firestorm back on track in the Rebirth era, so I, I love going back to those original creators who clearly had been on to something because these are really loved characters, even if they ne- haven't necessarily held their own series for a great time. Although I will say Firestorm. Not the first time. He suffered from the DC implosion, I think. But uh, the Fury of Firestorm, that revival of that character, that had a really long run in the 80s. Oh, yeah. So, you know, it's a, it's a, he's a good character. Black Lightning's a good, good character. And I do totally recommend not only the CW show, but going back and getting that trade paperback. Because I, re- I got that and read it last summer. And it really holds up. It's a, it's a good, good story. And, and kind of rare for that time it really is just one story boom and then you know i I, even though it was canceled that isabella was given that chance to wrap it up then and of course later came back and joined batman and the outsiders and that was other writers and that was different but i'm really starting to become more and more about those original creators and, and really treasuring those original visions and so i'm all for it so let's get to our top story, because I mentioned, forget it, Jake, it's, it's DC Universe. No, don't forget it. Just remember, you have to set aside money now, because finally, you know, for months, we've been talking about the DC streaming service that I was sure was going to be like DC Direct or DC Currents or something that they've done from the past. They went bluntly. Um, the DC-oriented streaming service is called DC Universe, they announced this week. And they also announced, which I think was the more exciting part, that... There's going to be a Swamp Thing live-action series mm-hmm. co-produced by James Wan, who is the director of the upcoming Aquaman film and one of the creators of the Saw franchise. So I think he directed uh, one of the Fast and Furious. It's like Fast and Furious 7. Um, I think that's what landed in the Aquaman gig. So there's a guy who he's got a look. He's got a, he's got a take. Uh, and I kind of like it. Uh, so... I'm looking forward to Swamp Thing as well. Of course, we got the logos for Titans. We got Harley Quinn. Uh, what is the other one? Young Justice. Justice. Yeah. The, the, uh, and uh, Metropolis. Justice. No, Metropolis has been taken off. Oh, it has? Oh, wow. Oh, and that's, yeah, they did not release it because Swamp Thing is taking that slot. 
So Metropolis is not ready. Metropolis being a series that was being developed to focus on what was going on with Lois Lane and Lex Luthor before Superman appeared. Interesting. And yeah, I mean, it's the Gotham vein. Yeah. You know, oh, no, no. So, uh, yeah. And, uh, Inspector Henderson will act a lot like Superman. No, I, I don't know. Uh, Perry, Perry White will, you know, have a big P on his chest. I, I don't know. Anyway, it's, it, it, I'm not saying it's not happening, but it did get delayed. So Swamp Thing took that slot. So that's, I mean, it's okay. a solid. When you're thinking about it, like CBS All Access launched with The Good Fight, and there's another sitcom that's on there. And Star Trek Discovery, uh, they're about to launch a new kind of sci-fi fantasy franchise because you know they're all saying that's that's really where it is. The people that are paying for streaming services are us, and they yeah. so they know they want to they want to appeal appeal to us. So, uh, but I I think the Harley Quinn, which is kind of a Ralph Bakshi styled from what very little they have shown of it, it's not in the Bruce Tim look. It's it's more. A little more out there. 26 and, episodes. Right. Right. But they have not revealed. A, 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 there was, there's been some concept art out there, but so we know, we know the look. This was 26 episodes of Harley Quinn. The, I don't think they said exactly how many yet they're planning on swamp thing. Um, Titans will assume at least, at least 13, right? I, and I was like, would not Titans. I'm going to say young justice. So it's kind of funny that they're doing young justice and Titans since they're similar I wonder if they'll re, if they'll run the old Young Justice alongside it as well. Wouldn't you think though? I, 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 I mean, it so. was it's still on Netflix, but and there hasn't been really talk about that. But I would imagine that they're going to pull a lot of that stuff off. They 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 push a lot of the animated stuff onto Hulu and Netflix to kind of revive interest. Yeah, and I would not be surprised in the least if all that Bruce Tim stuff got pulled. Well, I know Young Justice isn't. It's uh, Greg Weissman, but uh, and, and I think Brandon Bietti. But a really it, good show. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, I'm thinking it's going to disappear from Netflix. So watch it now while you can on Netflix, and then decide: is that worth you jumping to a, a new streaming service? Because of course, you po- we post this and uh, got little complaints. How many streaming services must we pay for? And I say, as many as you want, all, all of them. <laughs> no, right, because. This is going to launch in 2019, and that's about the same time that the Disney one is, which has the decency so far to say it will be Disney, Marvel, and Star Wars. And we don't know what all the content will be, um, but you know we, we think we think that much. Uh, and DC Universe is, you know, like I say, four series, but we don't know the pricing of it either. Are they gonna? Is it going to be a, a slow thing, like say Shutter is five dollars? A month, Comic Con HQ still on Amazon is five dollars a month, and and you know if they ally themselves like with Amazon Prime, then do you even really notice, or, or is it just that sneaky? Like, yeah. I think BritBox was up to six, maybe it was six ninety nine or seven ninety nine, but again, you can just add it onto your Amazon Prime, and so your Amazon account just goes, all right, you're paying this much more uh, a month. You know, right. it's weird. It's like you'd think uh, maybe we, it, it's almost like. Uh, if only there was like some kind of bundled channel system, <laughs> you know, maybe this brought in like by a cable or something. I, I don't know, maybe by a satellite. But <laughs> but then you wouldn't like, be then you wouldn't be cutting the cord, and cutting the cord is cool. 
Uh, I don't know. I don't care one way or the or the other about that. What I just think is we were getting so many streaming services again. It's just you're back yeah. to where you were. Yeah. But the difference is, I would assume, is that if you could bundle or you're just paying individually for these all, you are at least getting the programming directly you want. No offense, sports fans, nor Nate Costa. Oh, he's a sports fan, but you know he's the <laughs> best representative here, is that I never cared whether I had ESPN. I certainly well, didn't care about the Home Shopping Channel. And when and when DC Universe and whatever the Disney one are, that is like the Home Shopping Channel because, of course, that's already appealing to what you know to what I would be seeking out anyway. So, so these are going to be on-demand streaming, though, or are they going to be some weird? I mean, there was there was a Japanese animation um, channel that didn't do on-demand. They they had a schedule. And it was the most <laughs> annoying thing ever because you couldn't record it on your on your DVR. You had to actually be there at the right time to watch. The well, movie. I would think that would be a failed experiment now. I would I mean, too. That's like going over an old paradigm, but I wouldn't mind if they release it weekly, so that you could bank it up. But there is still a joy, you know. Yeah. Um, and we'll get to it when we talk about Infinity War. But you know, there's a joy of having to wait and to talk and right. speculate. And to speculate, like I partially because, you know, I I really rarely have the time to sit through many episodes. I kind of liked that, like I did, uh, although I haven't finished the series, I watched the first three episodes of Lost in Space, but it took me about a week and a half to Uh sit down, watch an hour here, then watch an hour there. And really, although actually I'd say probably the first three episodes might have played better. If I had binged them all at all at once, because it's clearly one long story setting it up, you know, it is the pilot film, right? Um, but it's still, it's like this is the way it used to be. This is the way it used to do it. Like I, I've said this before, like Stranger Things, when you binge the, and everybody does devours that show, it's you know there there is no time to ruminate until it's all done and go okay we already know the answers instead of the oh yeah i wonder what's going to happen next right i'm i'm still about halfway through jessica jones cuz i'm you know saving it to watch, to watch uh, with with certain people yeah. and so you know definitely... we watch it and then we get you know maybe we'll do two episodes but then we sit and go okay i wonder what's going to happen next but you know we got to do other things Definitely enjoyed that with Star Trek Discovery because it would it was one episode every week on Sunday it would drop and our it was a family it was a family watching in our household uh, and we talked about it you know we we would uh, discuss it before and after the show so yeah so I, I'm saying I, I DC Direct like gave me oh if Swamp Thing is you know which the sh- the show that that sold me I mean, I was already kind of like I'm like you know Titans admittedly. Varying qualities of the costumes still looks somewhat CW-ish to me, and it would probably be cool if it was on the CW. I'd be watching it definitely. Now I will watch it because I'm going to have to pay to watch Swamp Thing because I, I I've got to know. I think that shows sight unseen is going to be great, you know. And, and it's the second. That's the weird thing. It's the second live action series that Swamp Thing has had. Is there was a I don't know how many episodes several seventy eight uh, half hour episodes on sci fi. The first time it was about science fiction, right? Yeah, so uh, with the with Dick Durock who had been uh, Swamp Thing in the movies, but a right. much darker, more serious attempt to tell Swamp Thing stories. 
we don't talk about Return of the Swamp Thing with Heather Locklear, other than to say, oh yes, Heather Locklear was in it as Abby. But uh, I would like to go back because I just saw Shop, Shop Factory has it. Is you know, there's a, they've got a Blu-ray of the original Wes Craven uh, Swamp Thing with Ray Wise as the uh, as the Alec Holland and Adrian Barbeau as Cable. So not the James Brolin Deadpool Cable, but you know, as as I can't remember what the first name they gave. It wasn't Maxine. That would be Alice. I think it was Alice Cable. So anyway, uh, I recall that movie as being really good. I don't really recall Return of the Swamp Thing being really good. I thought what was interesting, can I do a little inside baseball on this? Sure. That in the press release from Warner Brothers, Michael Uslan had been the owner, uh, I think uh, Benjamin Melnicker, they had been the uh, rights holders of Swamp Thing for movie and television uh, because they, they bought, for some, some strange reason, they got the rights to Swamp Thing so that they could experiment and see if they knew how to produce a movie so that they could then make Batman. So they are they are always in perpetuity listed as executive producers on Batman films because they have the rights locked up. I, but I guess man, now maybe they've actually expired finally. We're in 2018. They bought those those rights, uh, you know, 40, 40 years ago. So by now, that, that has to have been expired. No need to continue optioning. But I'm thinking when you look at Swamp Thing, there's so, so much. Not only somebody corrected me on this, how I had said it was I thought it was Jeff Lemire. And it was Scott Snyder who did the new 52 Swamp Thing, which was pretty good. Oh. So you've got that run. You've got there's a run from Josh Dysart that I think was still Alec Holland. And of course, you got all that Len Wein, and you've got and Bernie Wrightson, and then all the Alan Moore, uh, Steve Tottleben stuff. There's so, so much. It's almost like we don't need any more. <laughs> there are days <laughs> that I feel that. Uh, let's not call them days. Let's say there are weeks at my local comic book shop where I think, no, I've I've got enough of stories because I still haven't read <laughs> all these. Uh, but we'll get there. So let's get to comics because, of course, they, the the first. DC figured it out. The first one's not free this week, even though it is free comic book day this week. That is so weird. It is. Uh, the first one's 25 cents. And then it's free. And then it's free. Uh, right. That's right. Did they sucker me in? Did this I pay weird. a quarter when you I could have? You paid a quarter. No, well, it's going to be a different book when they start, uh, they start giving it away for free. Issue one is free. Issue zero is uh, 25 cents. So... How much is psychiatric help? That's what I want. Yeah. Um, did you read it? Yeah, I did. Okay. I did. So that's why I felt it was worth calling out instead of going to what's in the bag, because this is crucial. This is setting up three of the things, the three things that DC now is banking on for 2018 and 2019 as to what you will I, be most excited about, even though there's an ad on Doomsday Clock for Doomsday Clock on the back cover. And you think, well, they can't really bank on that because they don't know when they're getting the next issue. It'll be done when it's done. So you got the regular stuff. So there's, uh, I thought, a very cool, creepy little story by Tom King and Clay Mann. That was great. That with was... the Joker waiting for his invitation to Batman and Catwoman's wedding. Best Joker it... jokes in a long time. And also just, man, his eyes are disturbing in this guy's artwork. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, but it's a beautiful Jordi Belair doing the colors. And again, one of those things where I, I don't mean to, you know, sell the color is short because 
good lord is it gorgeous the, yeah. you know the, uh, clearly adding to that so even though it's a to be continued you know this is this is a good eight page prelude and, that, and this this is a story that takes place in about six foot by six foot you know it's like it's all in the writing it's all but the the, the art is beautiful it is, it is gorgeous and then the superman stories we're getting not our first taste of, of Bendis at, at writing on, on Superman, but you've got, oh, you know, I didn't even realize how much I missed this. Jose Luis Garcia Lopez oh, yeah. doing, doing the pencils. Dexter Vines doing inks. I think it's because Vines has a strong inking style that I just, uh, I did not, you know, it, it took over enough that I didn't quite recognize it originally. But um, this is some gorgeous stuff. And it's an interesting story because, you know, we, we were just talking about it. When you read Action, it almost sort of, though it's using Lex Luthor, it's going back to the second story in Action Comics way back when, in 1938, with a little bit of the arms dealership. And it's almost like Bendis went back and is retelling one of the original stories, but with his new status quo. So something's happened to Lois, and there, he's introduced a couple of new supporting characters of his own, Bendis has, rather, with a little mystery behind it. And it's a cool cool setup for uh, what's going to happen May 30th, Man of Steel number one to continue on. And then let's just go uh, insane and uh, get a preview of the Justice League No Justice thing, which is... (laughs) Gee, all the universes are colliding, so let's get everybody together. It's it's all the teams. Yes, Um, but isn't there just something absolutely ridiculous? I knew it was coming, but to see Superman swinging Starro into a f- giant space brain <laughs> and Starro's on Superman's side. <laughs> like what? Yeah. <laughs> this is an image that will stick in my head for a long, long time. Yeah. I'm a little behind on, on my regular justice league reading. Is there anything in that leading into this or? Nope. Nope. Okay. No, it, it's the end of metal. It's okay. the implication is the end of metal okay. and, and that something bigger is coming. And so I guess the best way to describe it now is uh, that you know? At the, did you read the end of Metal? So I'm not. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's yeah. been a while. You know that Bat, Bruce Wayne, whichever he wants to call himself, Batman is going to open the Hall of Justice, right? And basically, every team is going to have its own corner of the Hall of Justice. Oh, really? So Everybody it's... has the keys, so it's like the central gather. It's like the Grand Central Station. It's almost like Top Ten. You know the <laughs> the old Alan Moore yeah. uh, superhero cop series. That is the Grand Central Station of Justice. So whoever needs the resources of the Justice of the Hall of Justice can can access it. So <laughs> it's going to be like one of those one of those tech shops where you can go in and use a lathe yes, if you need to. Yes, but then only, I'm sorry, the Superman. Problem. The Flash has the lathe right now. <laughs> you have to wait. He won't be. Did long. you sign he it? Did you register he, for this? No, he won't time? be long. He won't. Yeah, be long. he won't be. So yeah, that's <laughs> uh, yeah. I. It'll be interesting. I and if I read that correctly, it, it's I was scared we were going to see a whole bunch of different individual things. But I think what we're what we're getting is uh, that it's going to it'll be a weekly series for four weeks, and then it will go to a regular mini series of just of no justice. So the teams will get established separate in separate books, and that, I mean this is which is the kind of the DC way right now with which the model worked very well for metal. I also appreciate that I saw on the back that they've got, that they've gathered all the miniseries of metal into four handsome 
volumes oh. that you can uh, purchase for yourself. That includes just just the miniseries, then the the Road to Metal, then Dark Knight's Rising. So all those, and then the Resistance. So I think that would be those that Justice League. Uh, the what did they call? What did they ended up call, calling that? Um, uh, bat, bats out of hell. That was it. It was Justice League Bats Out of Hell was the crossover. So, but that's not what they're calling it on this because they they don't want to get involved with with Meatloaf. So, we also wanted to call out that, now, is this the first time that a costumed crime fighter has actually made it onto a country's currency? I was thinking that too, and I really think it probably was, although there are some, like, little, there, it was stamps, like in the U.S., the United States says, you know, you can only have um, people who have been alive but are no longer alive on stamps. Um, but there are all kinds of other countries that do, like, Marvel and DC stamps. Oh, no, we and... do. I have Wonder Woman stamps right here. They've, they've changed that. Oh, do they change that? Okay, okay. Yes, there have been DC stamps. There's Disney villain stamps. There's Disney okay. stamps. But but actual people have right, to, right. I'm sorry, have, have to, to have passed pass. away. Yes before they can get a commemorative stamp. But this is Captain Captain Canuck has made it onto a $20 limited edition coin from the Canadian Mint. So this is official, and uh, this is Canada's number one superhero, uh, and it is limited to 3,500 coins. They're gone already. I, I would <laughs> bet they are. I know they were close to gone by the time I found... You know the news made it down here, uh, but you know I don't know, Rick. Don't don't give up so soon. I'll bet it's you a can... twenty dollar coin. You know it's yeah. Well, I don't know. I, yeah, I was having trouble enough just finding one of the uh, one of the bills that you could uh, sketch in and make it into Prime Minister Spock. You know, these are yeah. You know, if that was the worst problem of two thousand eighteen for you. Oh no, that wasn't. <laughs> okay, or 2017. That was 2017, but it was a joy. <laughs> I have, I have, I, I have an amazing number of Canadian friends who who stepped in and made sure I had, uh, I had enough for my project. Oh, very good, very good. So let's turn to what's in the bag. What's in your bag? Oh, let's start off with, uh, with a sweet ending. Um. Issue number 240 of Spider-Man. Bendis, and it actually says on on the top of it, Bendis, Farewell to Miles. Which uh, is, it's the capper to the storyline where he and his uncle were fighting it out. And there was a bunch of Hydra stuff. And um, this is, this is a fitting end to, um, to Bendis's run. And it, I mean, it's, that's an incredible run. Of 240 issues unbroken, uh, only. I gotta think. Is it who who has beaten that? Is Dave uh, Cerebus? Dave Sin, nobody. Uh, well, Cerebus, how many issues did they do? Three. He did 300. Yeah, that's true. Uh, but 240 is dang impressive, especially yeah. for for the reach. When you realize, like everybody thinks of you know Stanley and Jack Kirby on Fantastic Four, that was 104 issues. Right. But Bendis broke that a long time ago oh, yeah. with Mark Bagley. But then he teamed with Sarah Pacelli 
and oh gosh, you know those that Miles Morales stuff is just gorgeous. Yeah, and this this has everybody in it that you want to see in it. Um, it actually is kind of an homage to, without a big spoiler, uh, Bendis was very ill for quite a while. Um, a, uh, a virus that went septic in, her, in his system apparently nearly died three times. We've talked we talked about it on the podcast. Every time he nearly died, and uh, and so in this, um, Miles is actually in hospital with a uh, with a mystery virus that nobody knows anything about, and. Uh, I, I'm very happy with this magazine as a, as a, as a capper to that and knowing kind of where they're going to go next, which, uh, it's already been announced. No spoiler that it's going to be, uh, uh, Miles Morales spider by spy D or spider. Okay. Spite. Uh, it's, it's going to have a more of a Nick Fury shield, uh, emphasis on it. Um, which I'm just wondering how long it's going to last before they bring him back as Spider-Man. Uh, because it strikes me a lot as like what happened with uh, Dick Grayson and uh, his run. Oh, as with a, Spiral, yeah, yeah. As, a, as an agent. But uh, you know, I, I we can say it's it's Miles Morales colon screw Sony. So huh. <laughs> I just sense the hand of Ike Perlmutter. Anyway, uh, okay, I'm going to try to guess what's in your bag and try not to talk. That should so be I'm pretty gonna, easy. Really. I don't know. Okay, okay. so I'm going to I'm going to go with uh, cuz uh, you know I put it up there on the site as well. But I I'm going to go with because I love that Marvel's doing this to kind of reprint stuff. Uh, Star Wars Tag and Bink were here. Good. I'm for glad you covered it. 7.99 because it's um, it's not exactly a trade paperback and it's not the it's, first time they've done this. It's like the first stapled trade paperback. <laughs> well, you know, I thought they were they were calling it a trade, but it they had done this with when they reprinted the original Rocket Raccoon yeah. by Bill Bill Mantlo and Mike Mignola. And so I like having that where it's I, I, I like getting it getting it at a low price point where kids who might be interested in it could potentially it's an easier sell than can I have twenty bucks for a high end trade paperback. Not that Tag and Bank is not worth it. Uh, it is. It is totally worth it. But uh, for those who don't know uh, Tag and Bink were created by uh, by Kevin Rubio, Gilroy's own Kevin Rubio, and uh, Lucas Marangon was the uh, with Rick Zombo. Lucas Marangon was the first artist to collaborate with him on this, and it's basically the Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead of the Star Wars universe. Tag and Bink are two characters that are in almost every important scene that you love in the first two trilogies, and um, somehow. Somehow we just never noticed. There they were. So this reprints two miniseries, two uh, issue miniseries from that were originally by Dark Horse, and a short story that was in Star Wars Tales from Dark Horse. And this is the first time that Marvel has kind of taken it back. And it's been on Marvel Comics Unlimited for a while. Yeah. But like the original so, trade paperback, even from I mean I don't know if if this is pricey on a secondary market, but it's forty bucks was the cheapest copy I could find online. Uh of the original trade. So to be able to get it for eight, and I already know because I don't know where my copies are of the originals, but I already know that I love these stories and they're fun without necessarily violating canon. Although yes, it is a legends. I love seeing that little. Band yeah. The yeah. It, they, they are legends, but of course, as, as we, as we mentioned uh, this week on Facebook, as well as months ago when Ron Howard tweeted out that tag and bink are now actually being, 
they made it back into regular live action continuity. They were never in live action continuity. They made a live action debut before my beloved Admiral Thrawn did. Uh-huh. It has. So they will be in solo, a Star Wars story. Wait a minute, he's my beloved. No. Um, you can have him. Yeah. No, the, uh, it's, Thrawn cannot those, be limited to those one Those blue man. eyes. Um, They're yellow. yellow, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, that blue skin. Wow, you really, really love him. Uh-huh, uh-huh. No, no. Or Deb's eyes. The okay. uh, the thing about uh, Tag and Brink, Bink is not only the fact that they're in every major scene, but they explain a lot of things that happened that doesn't make a lot of sense in the movies, which I just love. For example, they explain why Chewie didn't get an award at the end of New Hope. Um, or at least they explain a little bit about that. Um, yeah. I, it's, it's, it's a very fun read. And um, yeah. Yeah, so I, I highly recommend that. Uh, Eight dollars, but well worth it. It's a, it's a, it's even without being an actual trade paperback, it's a hefty book and a good value. Next on your back. Okay, so since we're already talking about hefty books and good value for six bucks this week, you can get issues one through four of Shield, the Rebirth, which is actually Shield, um, the Hickman and uh, Weaver. I wondered what that series. was. You, I saw, you, oh yeah, okay. I saw that, but I, I you didn't pick you know, it up. I, I didn't pick. Well, I, I have read them all, but yeah, you know, that's yeah. Um, because after I don't know how many years it's been, uh, issues five and six will be coming out starting in May. Uh, that will finish this insanely, insanely deep. <laughs> Uh, Marvel history story. <laughs> this is one of those hilarious things. Like it's been so long, I forgot it didn't finish. <laughs> right. Well, it's. Let's see. Does it say here? I'm not. I'm oh. not seeing an indicia when the originals were published. But I've um, lost track. Let's not this, know. This is it was the last sec- year. Otherwise this is the secret really history of Shield, going back to 2620 BC, uh, when Inhotep repelled a brood invasion in the Marvel universe. And it only gets crazier from there. This, this book involves, uh, Michelangelo, Nikola Tesla, uh, Da Vinci, uh, Howard Stark, Nathaniel Richards, Reed Richards, father. Uh, I don't know why I thought you were going to say Howard Stern. I, it made no sense. I'm sorry. I don't, he might be. Maybe in issue six. He could be that mystery ghost thing. Oh, no. Anyway, um, involving everything from Galactus to the, uh, the Celestials, uh, we've got, um, can I take that as a transition to my bag? No, no, well, hang on. We've, we've even got, um, something that hasn't shown up in quite a while, uh, and it, it only showed up briefly in this, which was the Deviants, which were part of the uh, Immortals. Was that right? Was that what the series Eternals. was called? Eternals, yeah. that's right. I, I, I thought they were the, the uh, uh, Ciri, uh, Cersei and uh, Cersei, Icarus, Icarus, Icarus. Icarus. No, it's Icarus. His name was Icarus. His, no. His, 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 his made-up name was Mercury. No, I'm just kidding. Icarus, mockery. So it's like Mercury, yes, because it's right. again. And uh, what was Zeus instead of Zeus? Yeah, yeah. But uh, so, like, if you want to go deep, and if you you can, there's no place to go deep in the Marvel universe with 
better than Hickman. Um, this is just, you, you really need to read this one slow to keep, keep track of what's sure, going on. Sure. I'm, uh, I'm, I may have to go back and pick that up yeah. because it's been, again, so long since I've read it. And I would agree. It, it's one that needs to be read together. Have you finished DC's legends of tomorrow this season yet? I am. I am three episodes behind right now. I have been, I've been actually there, catching up on that this week. There is a joke in the penultimate episode that, uh, made me think of you. Okay. And your, and your, and your insistence that this is Icarus and, uh, and dark seed. So just <laughs> so you, they, yeah, now you'll know, you'll know when it hits and some of our listeners may as well. Okay. So, uh, let me go to my bag because, uh, you went back how many 4,000 or so years in the Marvel universe. I'm going to go one million years ago, inexplicably. Oh, okay, okay. To the new uh, Earth's Mightiest Heroes once again. The Avengers has a new number one and a somewhat new team. But I kind of wondered what was going to ha- what was happening here. Like I bought Marvel Legacy, and right. and I was really glad to see Avengers One Million BC appear again here in this number one. Even though I think I probably missed an issue. Or just haven't read. I probably bought it and it's sitting in a bag as to where the else they have appeared. But it was nice to kind of see more of the story. And then, you know, just a call back to to who this uh, the team assembling. And there are celestials right. in this as well. And uh, I, I, something about a ghost. It's, DC, it's the Marvel 1 million BC that you've got a ghost writer riding a fiery mammoth. Is still That was awesome. To me. <laughs> that is just hilarious to me. And good Lord, is Odin a Randy fellow uh, when he was younger? And the Hulk and, is a star brand. Well, but yeah, is he really a Hulk? He, I know, he looked very He's Hulk-like. the Hulk analog, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, but this doesn't make sense about the one million years ago that Iron Fist would, would exist uh, or that a Black Panther would. I, I do get that Agamotto is there, you know, that uh, the Sorcerer well, Supreme. Both of them have said that they're, you know, they go back in their ancestry, so yeah, it's a stretch. No one could have, no one could have predicted a million, but uh, it's you know I I'm a sucker for these kind of stories, and you know what? And, and this is why I love why I love this is it's a perfect jumping on point. I, as much yeah. as like I love No Surrender. If you feel like you're way behind on No Surrender, then my gosh, buy the the paperbacks, which are no doubt more than one, because the omnibus is just going to be so heavy with that. But if you just want to see it, you know, like if you've just seen Infinity War, here are your heroes, safe and sound, and and just really, really well done. So yeah. uh, that's and it's that's, almost that's, all of them. It's almost all of them from the movie too. And yeah, uh, and I, as I was, I was leading in with the the mention in in Shield, um, Marvel's putting more emphasis on the Celestials. We know coming up and. Well, there's are. a reason for that, yeah, and we'll we'll talk about that later. All right, and we talked about it a week ago or two weeks ago. So anyway, yes. go ahead. Next on your back. Okay, so that was my number three. So I'm going to my backup number three. Oh, I'm sorry. That's all right. Maybe um, you're going to take my number three and I'll I had I had two backups, so it's no big deal. Um, we are talking again, issue seven oh one, following following the seven hundredth episode episode issue. Um, Captain America promised land part one, which, um, you know, it's, it seems to me that Captain America has been doing a lot of time traveling or the stories have been moving about in time a lot more recently. And this is no exception to it. Uh, have you read this issue? 
No, it was actually sold out. Oh my, okay. So um, yeah, it's it's a great. I mean, we've got um, Leonardo Romero uh, as the main artist through this book, but it opens with a short bit from Adam Hughes. It's it's the the artist by Adam Hughes um, that takes place back in uh, nineteen forty four. And you know, cap smashing Nazis and the uh, the Erskine 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 uh, Professor Erskine Erskine uh, formula uh, is is a, a focus, and then we jump ahead in time to a world um, without war, uh, focusing on ancestors of Steve Rogers, and there's even a kind of weakened and feeble Steve Rogers, uh, who's being taken care of by his father. Uh, I'm not going to go too deep into it other than, um, this is, this is really kind of interesting stuff for people who, who might look at cap and say, Oh, geez, those stories are going to be like one dimensional, uh, or two two dimensional comic book characters with cap just fighting uh, Hydra and stuff. No way. This this book takes more chances in actual storytelling than almost anything else, uh, any of the individual Marvel character books uh, around. So, yeah. so I'm going to go with I. I'm hoping this is this week. Uh, my my stacks unfortunately got mixed a little bit, but I think it was this week. Uh, but I know we didn't talk about it last week, so I'm going to go with it. Uh, Red Sonia and Tarzan, the crossover from Dynamite by Gail Simone with art by Walter Giovanni. And uh, just because I know you in particular are a sucker for Tarzan stories. Yeah, I missed that one entirely. Yeah. Okay. So there it is. And uh, there's a, there's an, oh, I do have the Adam Hughes cover. Anyway, uh, so it is a, you know, Gail Simone bringing them together, a little bit of time travel involved. What I really like is it also, it acknowledges both the, um, I guess, say the Marvelized, as we've said this before, Red Sonia, the, character that appeared in conan for for marvel is a uh, kind of a variation on the actual character that robert e howard created who was a cossack red sonia right and so both versions appear in this oh and cool. so one come on we know gail simone just i i, I gotta think about it you know i i my mind gets blown in cosmic ways by writers like Grant Morrison and Neil Gaiman and Alan Moore. But I got to say, you know, I, Gail Simone, it's got to be, I, I've got to start adding her to my in the same breath as them. Because I cannot think of a single Gail Simone story that I have not enjoyed. I might not have, she might not have opened my cosmic consciousness with each one, the way Grant Morrison seems to do. But, but talk about just solid and and great insights into characters in ways I've never thought of it before. Great plotting, and that she's she's like us, man. She's just she's digging on the old pulp heroes, and and you know, it, 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 and she brings them to life so well. So I'm because that Conan Wonder Woman series right. was so great that crossover. So Red Sonia Tarzan. Uh, this is absolute recommendation from Dynamite Comics, and I guess they actually somehow have the license to both because it's not co-published by Dark Horse. Have been doing Tarzan, so I think I think uh, Edgar Rice Burroughs ERB gave uh, took the rights away from that. 
Yeah, they've so, been pretty flexible in their their uh, licensing. Well, you know, but I, I think the thing is, I again, not to get too inside baseball there, but there's something about the copyright law. At this point, I think some of the Tarzan books are in the public domain. So and you don't have to be coy about it the way like Philip Jose Farmer did with that Sherlock Holmes one, The Adventures of the Peerless Peer, where they she just never called right. it Tarzan. Right. Um, so I think now ERB is realizing, look, people are going to do it because they can. We might as well get our hands on the licensing. You know, we might as well get a little licensing fee. And I don't know that. They're but. involved in the publication of a lot of stories that are uh, follow-ons written by modern authors, too. So Right, right. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway, that's it. That's that's what's in the bag this week. There are, of course, many other things. And as I we alluded to, it is free comic book day on Saturday. And there's plenty of stuff there. Go to your local comic shop, your LCS, as people say. And... Uh, and check out the excitement. Certainly, I don't know what Hijinks is doing, but Elusive's got a, a lot of stuff happening there, just kind of, especially for kids. It's really a, a kid-friendly uh, free comic book day event there. I mentioned down in L.A., Earth 2 has a variety of signings, including Brian K. Vaughn, who's going to be there from 4 to 8 on Saturday night. The Comic Bug, I think we mentioned, turned it into a two-day event. It's an all-weekend free comic book day. So it's so big, it takes two days the way Mike Wellman does it. So <laughs> I don't know, you know, what else has happened in, in, in your neighborhood, but I know that every shop is participating and they're going to have something really cool for you. So uh, take it out. And, and, you know, if you are someone who's already buying comics, be kind about that. You know, that I, this is just my little PSA is I think people should remember what it really is about. And, and, and that the goal, it made me sound like the true spirit of free comic day, like the true spirit of Christmas. Let us remember uh, Stan and Jack know that it is about getting people excited about comics. And I think what happens is we go and too often is guys like us. We're already excited about comics. What, what more free can you give us? And, you know, really it's, come on, you know, give it to let somebody else. But if you are going to your local shop, this is the day as well to look and see like, well, maybe there's a trade paperback I've had my eye on something to remember because it's free to us. It's not free to your, to your comic shop owners. They have to pay for those comics, DC, Marvel, dark horse image as wonderful as all those people are. They're not giving those books away. They're just printing stuff and selling it at a very, very, very low price to your local retailer who in turn gives it away. For you, although some stores, which I, I I do really like, are you know if you're going to take more than like five, uh, you can pay money that goes to charity, and so you know that's another thing about it. I know that Elusive does that, that they go to Parents Helping Parents, which is a really great charity helping uh, providing support services for uh, parents of special needs children. It's a good and, event to do that kind of thing around. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, so that's what I'm saying. It's fine. You know, that that that's it. That, that you're. I can't speak for all of them. Most that I know are donating money that they collect as a result of Free Comic Book Day to to a local charity, and that's it. And we said before, uh, and we I've been counseling one of our one of our friends who's going to open a shop is that it's all about community. It's you know your shop is the place where you go, and it's part of the community it's in, where everybody knows your name and your favorite superhero. 
I had to say it before he puts it into his ad campaign. He said, I'm stealing that. I said, no. All right. So <laughs> that's my line. So let's get to movies, shall we? And we let's, should. And let's talk Infinity War. Let's not talk in- infinitely about it. But I think after a week, it's free to mention, you know, I, I want to say up front what I absolutely, absolutely love, even though I was wrong about all my predictions about what's going to happen next, uh, because – I was not leading there is that I am so grateful that Marvel lied to us. I cannot tell you how grateful I am. That, Which lie? Well, when they said it's not going to be when the sequel is not Avengers infinity war part two, that the title is going to be something else. And so they, they were, you know, they were, it's a little sin of omission. They were letting you just assume that, uh, it's going to end, that it was going to be self-contained. And then you were going to launch into the next, the next wave. And that I, and yet, as I, as it was getting close to the end and realizing, well, it's been going on a long time. Oh, there's only one way this can end. Oh my God, they're doing it! Like I had convinced myself they weren't going to do what they did. You know, because, you know, I've read I'm, the Infinity Gauntlet. Of course, I knew that that was that that was headed. But I convinced myself that wasn't what what they were going to do. They could still be true to that. Just they just said they weren't going to use part one and part two. And right. They could come up with a. They could come up with another title without calling it infinity war you know well so i'm going to change this i'm going to say how about no surrender yeah you just did an event that had that cool title it's avengers no surrender that's it or avengers forever was that the kurt buschek miniseries i mean because they love taking titles from great avengers stories even if they don't always you know tie in but okay so avengers forever or avengers no surrender and but my gosh, you know, I can't even say this was reading a crossover. This was like reading a crossover. One of the good ones, granted, I still don't know. So, you know, here's my weird thing. I don't know how people that were not following those movies oh, yeah. felt going into it. On the other hand, I don't know that I know anybody who is not following those movies. Oh, I do. I do. Well, I, I know, I, well I I'm related to several. I'm related well, to several that, but, that no. haven't watched every one of them. You know, no, no, no. That, I know. I, if you haven't watched every one, I think that's okay. Yeah. But you know, I because like you certainly didn't need to see Ant Man, though. Though that I think that's one of the better. It's fun. It's a nice. Yeah, yeah. Thank heavens yeah. we're following up with as you, with Ant Man and the Wasp. To kind of like go, huh, it's going to be okay. It can still be fun to watch a Marvel movie. Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> oh, thank you. But, uh, you know, I, you had to have seen the Captain America films. I think you had to have seen the Iron Man. You had to have seen the Avengers at least. You probably should have seen Ragnarok. You know, and you had to have seen Black Panther. Yeah, if you hadn't seen Captain America, for example, the sequence with um, the Red Skull wouldn't have made a whole lot of sense. I am disappointed, and sorry to anybody who that spoiled by, but but that it was not Hugo Weaving. We checked afterward, yeah, yeah, because uh, I, I was because there that's not one that was such a surprise to me. Like I had gotten so swept up in this that I didn't even think there were. It wasn't even occurring to me that there were any plot. It's not a no. plot hole, but you know that there was still kind of a dangling thread with him. You know, so. Uh, well, it's the kind of it's the kind of dangling thread that movies like this leave all the time when they don't want to necessarily kill somebody off, but at the same time, you didn't expect that thread to end up here. Right, know? right. Uh, so, yeah, it, it was. Uh, it's just a, a tremendous because I never felt. I, I definitely felt when I say exhausted, 
Uh, I don't mean because uh, I was bored. Not at all. I felt like, could you give me a second to catch my breath? Oh, here's a nice scene between Wanda and the Vision. This isn't going to end well. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> but know? it's it's one of those films I think uh, could get an editing nomination from the Oscars just because all those scenes were just about exactly the right length to get the character in, to move the plot along, to hook you into what I can't think of a scene that dragged or was unnecessary. No, I, I didn't I a, feel that at a, all. In two, right. four, two hours and 45 minutes of film. That's quite an accomplishment. And I'm going to say the single best entrance for Captain America. Oh, and yeah. I don't know how many, how many films has he been in six, seven, that just the shadow, you know, the in shadow right. on the platform of the train was just like, holy crap. That was There so- is no need to fear. Yeah, Chris Evans, please do never leave this role. I will watch you as an 80-year-old Steve Rogers. <laughs> well, no, I probably... Well, he's won't. a lot older than that now. No, well, I no, but I mean, you know, I'm, I'm older than him, so I might not be able to watch him as an 80-year-old Steve Rogers, but I would, but I would, if I could, if I can, I will. Because I just like, oh my gosh, what a what a great thing! And yeah, I it's uh, there were things and Peter Dinklage's role, which we all that was about that was so perfect. Casting. That was brilliant, even though he was basically was doing his Tyrion voice. But still, <laughs> you know, it was just it was so great, and I I, I liked the, the you know when we've seen a D twenty three, just the homage that you know the the echo of the Avengers number four, instead of finding Captain America in the ice, you're finding Thor in space and seeing that with the guardians of the galaxy is that, you know, that, that this is another film where you don't have to, you didn't have to read the comics at all. I totally get that. And I've seen a lot of my friends that are pros online that are comics pros. like going, look, let's, let's accept this. This is would, how the main culture is mainlining superheroes. Now it's would TV you agree with me? Oh, would you agree with me that the, all of Thor's lines in this movie were funny without him appearing dumb as opposed to, as opposed to guardians of the galaxy. Number two uh, uh, episode volume two, that's volume two. You think Thor? no Thor wasn't in volume two. Oh no. Pardon me. Right, right. Thor Ragnarok. That's it. Ragnarok. Yes. I agree with you. I think that Thor, Thor was played as an idiot for a lot of Thor Ragnarok as enjoyable as it was. I I think that balance was struck much better in in Avengers Infinity War. Conversely, even though everybody went through the right motions and said the right things as Guardians of the Galaxy, I felt like, and, and, and even though I've also heard that James Gunn worked on the script with them and and gave them dialogue, it just didn't quite feel like that. And it's not to say that it was bad, but it was just like like a comic book crossover. You know, you're not right. You're not reading the main continuity of, of those beloved characters. And I think Star Lord Star Lord was definitely not done right, but Drax was perfect. the The whole invisibility thing that was <laughs> great. That was great. But yeah, no, I think you know Star Lord is. I don't want to get too deeply into it here. I want more people to be, be able to ruminate on it. And then I've been thinking about that as like this is it's a very human thing out of all the heroes, if you will, Peter Quill is being presented as the most realistically recognizably human. But what that means is he's the most screw up and stubborn of 
in some of his really bad character traits. So mm-hmm. as frustrating as it can be in Infinity War, and I don't think he was, I would agree with you. I, I don't think that he was particularly, it just didn't feel quite right. Um, and his actions at the end, uh, certainly like, and I've seen people say, he's kind of the villain. It's like, but that's so Peter, that's the human thing yeah. is he can't, he can't handle death. Well, they don't, he can't born healthily. They don't stress enough the fact that he really grew up away from humanity. I mean, he grew up with pirates and, um, and he's, he's kind of a big man child. He's, but I think James Gunn was having him grow up more, you know, like he was was an arc, arc to maturity. And that got that, that, that step back. That yeah. step back for this film because it, it had to. Okay, although I, you know, I like. I'm actually not obsessing over the time timeline of this, but people are saying is that it's two to four years after Volume Two, not just mm. in production, but two to four years after is chronologically when it's happening uh, for the Guardians of the Galaxy. So, you know, I, I, I don't know. Flip side, I've had a couple of people ask me, like, why is there a flip phone? That's why you need to see Captain America. Because right. because of the presence of the time gem, I've got friends convinced that the whole thing takes place in the past. That somehow Doctor Strange has has put everybody... And I'm like, what is the advantage of that? And But I say, if you watch the end of Civil War, pay attention. Mm-hmm. That, that Steve Rogers gives him a flip phone. Because actually, I kind of find it funny, the idea that maybe, just maybe... Steve Rogers wouldn't have a smartphone. Well, it's a burner phone. Well, that's true too. There you go. There you go. Um, And then they were confused by the, by the post-credit scene, which I, I, again, just on the outside chance, anybody does not know that one. You know, I mean, there's a, the spoiler makes perfect sense uh, or rather the post-credit scene makes perfect sense if you know what's coming. And so, but I, you know, I, I admit it. I feel like, like a doof for actually I squeed. I audibly squeed when I saw that, you know, thing at the end. So I spent five minutes explaining to people around me who it was. And you didn't know any of those people, did you? No, no. <laughs> and they Deb- were all going, Debbie what? was pretending not to know you. <laughs> no, I, 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 it was just Justin and I, uh, but, uh, yeah, it was a, uh, it, it was, it was like when Thanos showed up at the end of the first one. You know? I, I I do recall having to explain to one person, but that person asked me. But seeing it in L.A., like everybody knew, uh, and walked out, and nobody wanted to talk about it. <laughs> like it was like we just seen we'd attended a funeral. <laughs> yeah, and I think I was probably the most like you know it's going to be okay. But I felt like they, we had to set up grief counseling in the lobby. <laughs> there were people just so shaken, and and there you go. I you know I just love that impact yeah i love that impact and it and that feeling of the community of everybody just being like we've all invested in these characters for so long and to see this even though you know everything's going to be okay i know everything's going to be okay i can't wait until we feel like we got the distance to do a um speculative yeah review of it it, because there are some great there are some great potential things to come out of this movie yeah Let's move on because because Marvel is. Uh, it's been reported that uh, Marvel's moving forward with a Black Widow film in a solo film in addition to a Captain Marvel, way overdue, and yeah. 
but I think it's funny. The, the chat is chatter is that they have interviewed 65 directors potentially for uh, the Black Widow solo film, and they want to get it absolutely, absolutely right. And I, I don't know who they've who they've interviewed, who they're who they're going to, but I'm sure they're. I don't know. They need to go. Is to it true? Jennifer Lawrence is going to play Black Widow. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, she already did it for Fox, and, and, <laughs> know, and that's why Disney had to buy it. Um, there's a is that a, an actual was that a novel first? Because I've seen a book on this on the stands, but Red Sparrow. But I, Red Sparrow. But I think what's interesting is now I can't tell. I think that the big trend right now is to release novelizations after the movie. No, it was a novel. It was a, a novel by um, okay. Oh. Jason Matthews. Well, we've certainly given given crap to Fox for Red Sparrow, but to be honest, the Black Widow concept, whether it was called Black Widow or not, has been out there for so many decades. I don't think they were the first. I don't think you know Stan and Jack were the first. No. Even Jack Kirby that did Black Widow. I'm not positive that might have been Don Heck over in Iron Man. I don't think her training actually ever came up. I mean, her backstory was always she was a standard spy in a yeah. black veil, and she sashayed her way into was it, was corrupting Clint, Clint Barron, right? Uh, Barton. Barton. Was it was it Greg Rucka then who kind of gave that that really tough spy? I mean, because he was already he'd written several spy novels and suspense novels, so. You know, yeah, I think you're. I think you're right. That was backstory. But anyway, they're they're finally giving Scarlett Johansson a solo film. I'm very excited about that. And of course, then they dropped the Ant Man and the Wasp trailer this week to say, mm, you know, here's just sorbet after yeah. after the huge buttery steak that was Infinity War, and you need to just kind of you know cleanse your palate so that a year from now you're ready to go back in for whatever we call the next Avengers. But uh, that, that that looks very fun. It is interesting because uh, you know the the it's got to take place before Infinity War, and the question also that came out of Infinity War is is Shield going to going to acknowledge it? And the guy who plays Glenn Talbot, Adrian Pazdar, said, "Yeah, we are." Oh. There are references to the weirdness in New York. So I you know I I didn't want to do this to you because you know you posted the poster of Cloak and Dagger, and I thought yeah, episode one. Dagger disintegrates to dust. <laughs> <laughs> it's all connected. <laughs> and then it's eight episodes of Cloak going, Tandy? Tandy? <laughs> right, right. Uh, <laughs> you know, so, um, I, you know, they're not going to do that. But uh, I think the one that's really, did you watch the Teen Titans Go trailer? No, I did not. Oh. <laughs> I, I, I oh, no, I did. This. I did. This is the movie one, right? Yes. To Teen yeah, Titans yeah, Go yeah. to the movies. Where the plot now being that uh, they Warner Brothers will not make a movie about the Teen Titans because they don't actually fight crime, they don't have an arch enemy, right? right. They can be licensed, so they've got to make Slade into one. But that they went there and just acknowledged, wait, are you Deadpool? <laughs> right. <laughs> and then Nicholas keep saying that <laughs> Nicholas Cage finally gets to play uh, Superman and. All right. I mean, so we'll see how it goes. But little Yachty is Green Lantern. But I, you know, I the joke had been in the previous trailer where it was like, you know, was there a Green Lantern movie? We don't talk about it. Yeah, <laughs> that was good. Yeah. So I'm very much looking forward to the Teen Titans Go. So you can watch the trailer of both the, that. On the, on, on the flip side of that, though, yeah. the the there's a the line in the Deadpool trailer where he's he's talking to Cable. And he says. 
I think so he's talking dark. so dark. What are you from the DC <laughs> universe? <laughs> like I didn't even realize. I I, I admit this because you know I blocked a lot of X Men Origins Wolverine out of my head, but like when Cable starts shooting Deadpool, and he's using his sword stuff, right? In Origins, he does he does deflect all the bullets with his sword swords. And so this is saying, like, even for Deadpool, that's silly. Like, they made fun, again, made fun of the first right. time he played Deadpool. Right. I right. love that. Did you see the Celine Dion video? No, I didn't. Okay, that's on Fanboy Planet as well. The uh, A song written especially for Deadpool 2, sung by Celine Dion, uh, called Ashes. Oh, it just Very, went up today. Yeah, it just went up today. I posted oh, yeah. it on Fanboy Planet. It is uh, it is shot in in the uh, forum or wherever you know at Caesar's Palace where she performs the Coliseum, and so it's it's in that that arena, and uh, I want to believe it was really Ryan Reynolds. Uh, I'm I'm sure it is by the end, but Deadpool kind of comes out and does an interpretive ballet uh, in his stiletto heels to Celine Dion singing, and then they get into a fight and an argument and I. <laughs> It's like it's not even that I like the song all that much, but that Celine Dion went ahead and and let herself be mocked like this. I, I have immense respect, and it was just the most unexpected uh, video to come out of that. So the the soundtrack to Deadpool two, both the orchestral score and the pop song, which has, and I'm telling you now, because I, I know you want it, uh, is the uh, it has the acoustic version of Take on Me that Aha did for MTV Unplugged, and it is chilling. And I'm not saying that to exaggerate. It's like I, I saw a video of that, and it is, and they did it fairly recently. It's beautiful. Yeah. It, it's an amazing interpretation, little acoustic version of it. And just that guy has not lost his pipes at all. So anyway, uh, well, we could gush all all night about, I don't know his name, from Aha. But let's uh, instead talk about Bad Samaritan. I said this was Bad Samaritan week because it, it ran the uh, helpful tips of what not to do with your valet. Uh, by Robert Sheehan, who is the co-star of Bad Samaritan from Electric Entertainment and Legion M Studios. I was glad I was at that screening last night. Rick, unfortunately, was sick. He could not join me at a screening. But they, were, knows. but they were trying to give a pitch for Legion M. And, oh my gosh, am I spoiling this? I, I won't say which theater I went to, anything. But they couldn't remember the name of Legion M. So I, 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 I said, no, I'm, I, you know, I invested. Because he was trying to say, like, you can invest. You can go online and do this. And, and he couldn't remember the name. So I said, yeah, it's, it's Legion M. And uh, David Tennant uh, as a serial killer. And I mean, that's not a spoiler, but this is how tense it was. Okay, so it's directed by Dean Devlin, who has uh, created the librarians for TNT. So I know a lot of people are, are big fans of that. I confess I've never watched it. Just, again, under the, there's too much content. It seems like a show I would have loved. I guess now it's over, so I can... I can I can binge it at some point when I retire. And Dean Devlin was the producer of Independence Day and Stargate and uh, I'm sure of any other things we could say that with Roland Emmerich. Uh, and now he's directing on his own. And uh, you described this from the trailer as saying, like, this is a really cool episode of Alfred Hitchcock Presents. Yeah. And I, and I was trying to watching it, trying to decide, was it like a Hitchcock film? And I thought to some extent it's it's far more violent and uh, far less suggestive, but that's not a bad thing. This is the modern audience, you know. That that, that of course he's good. they're going to raise the stakes a little bit, but 
it was so tense that even though I feel like there are there is a scene or two edited out that should have been there uh, that might have gone to like I'll be I'll, I'll be blunt you know there, there are there, there's a plot hole there's a there's a there's a gaping thing where you're gonna go wait a minute but I think because of something that happens near the end that there's something at the beginning that could have been put in that and and may, may have been there at some point that would have explained the plot hole. Uh, uh, I, I don't want to go too deep, but, but having seen the trailer and even knowing of that reveal that the, you know, the basic plot, and this is so Hitchcockian, right? That it's these two guys who are parking ballets. ballets and when they get the car keys and they have, uh, they have skeleton keys for houses. So they, they take the car they if the car has like satellite and like home programmed into there and i know your car one of your cars had that right mine GPS does yeah. in the dashboard so he they he they punch home in and they go in and they use the garage door opener and then they break into the house and they rob you know steal the things that they think people won't notice while they're dining and when they get back won't notice immediately are missing so um what is also very clear is and in a very kind of amusing sequence, it's proved they're not particularly good at it. They've hit upon a good scheme, but they're not particularly good at what they do, and, and which is fine. Uh, but Robert Sheehan, uh, goes, who we've got the kind of the likability, you know, he's an artist, a photographer, but he's doing this to make money and survive. And he goes into David Tennant is this really imperious guy driving a Maserati, goes into the restaurant. Robert Sheehan uh, comes, take, goes to his, his place, and as he's trying to get his, his case in the joint, he goes into a room, finds a computer. He's going to steal the passwords and see if he can go online and, st- and steal stuff. And he takes his camera and uses the flash to take a picture of, his, of the guy's checkbook, and he sees there's a woman bound and gagged in leather and chains crying and bloody in the corner of the room. And Ugh. that's in the trailer, and it yeah. still scared the crap out of me. I knew it was coming. And it still made me go, ah! you know. <laughs> and then it never lets up. So that even though, in hindsight, it's like there are a couple of you know, plot, I, plot flaws. I do not. I did not care. It was just so tense and so suspenseful. And and they set up a really nice scene at the beginning that you're not quite sure what the heck is going on, but it ties into why David Tennant is the way David Tennant is in this film. And I do think, too, it's an interesting thriller for our time that I'm not sure Hitchcock would have made films that were so tied into the time period as far as what was commenting on what was going on in the world. But this is absolutely about uh, affluenza and about, I I think, the growing, creeping feeling we all have that that, that we are kind of pawns in the hands of the really, really wealthy. And maybe yeah. it's not that we're pawns, but that the wealthy can indeed, and not the rich. I just heard uh, an old Chris Rock routine that said this. So it's between being rich and wealthy, that the really insanely wealthy are truly above the law. And I think people are afraid of that. And this film feeds on that fear a lot when, Without- when you think about it. It's just, it's just really it, – it was really well-directed. So without getting too yeah, without getting too deep into that, it's kind of scary how David Tennant is really getting really good at being very creepy bad guys. Yes, yes, and and I thought it was it was an interesting. It's a very interesting performance because I'm going to give Tennant this. There are 
there are ticks that he has that it's like there's a couple of moments with the wow that it was like almost the doctor right. but that I realize overall he is not only is a creepy bad guy but he's always a different one and that's yeah. what I like it, you know, Kilgrave is different than this and also there's a thing you know they do a thing where I uh, you know I that's what but, but just how malleable his appearance can be Oh. And I had not really thought about that, and uh, and they you know, Devlin does a cool does a cool thing with that too, and so yeah, it was really well. And the third act is just like it's unrelenting, and uh, you know, <laughs> and the guy the people at the screening were telling me ahead of time like, oh, we saw it at Silicon Valley Comic Con, and oh, people were screaming, you know, it, this is just intense. And then the third act it was like it was just so tense and twisting back and forth and, and playing against expectations. And, uh, you know, and, and I, what I really liked is even though Robert Sheehan's character was maybe shown to be not particularly bright as uh, a valet and, and as a thief, but he's still clever. And something I, you know, too often, we were just talking about Thor, like to do the character, to make the plot of, of Ragnarok work in a lot of places, Thor has to be dumb. And in this that they allow a character who is per, per, is perceived as perhaps not bright, but he's, you know, as he's the bad Samaritan, right? That he realizes he has a conscience too strong because there's obviously a line he can't cross. He'll he'll rifle through homes, and and you know steal a little bit, but but you know his conscience is gnawing at him, and he's got to save this girl, and he actually gets you know fairly smart about it, and sometimes. Even being smart doesn't matter. It also made you know, when we talk about information stealing and so forth, it's like how easily someone could destroy your life. When again, that's in the trailer too. It's like, you know, the, the tenant basically says, all right, I know what you've done. I know what you tried to do. And I'm not pressing charges because, you know, he says, you know why you're not in jail? Because now you're in mine. And he's just going to mess with Sheehan's life. And it just gets scarier and scarier and tenser and tenser. It was a great, it was a great movie. I won't call it a great film yet, but I might see it again and and change my mind. But it was a great movie. It was a great popcorn filler and a great. If you're looking for that suspense movie, and if you don't mind, don't watch it at home. See it in a the theater to reassure yourself that there are other people <laughs> around. <laughs> you know? I'm sorry I missed it. I'm gonna have to pick that, pick that up when it's available or watch it. Catch it in the theater. Yeah, I did. Does, does Debbie like those kinds of movies? Not a bit. Okay, which is I'm what s- makes it hard for me to go see them. I'm sorry. Uh, tell Justin you're seeing Infinity War again. Just grab him. <laughs> uh, sure. Yeah. Come on, Debbie. Maybe Doug Garrett. Somebody uh, yeah. must want to go because uh, it was fun. So I'm going to transition to TV because I had forgotten one thing when we interviewed Paul Scanlon about Bad Samaritan. I think it was mentioned. Robert Sheehan is in the Umbrella Academy that's coming up from Netflix, and Looking he's playing. To that. He's playing the seance. So I knew he was in it, but he's, he, his name I keep forgetting. I have long enjoyed him as an actor. And uh, the one who played uh, uh, Angelica in the touring company of Hamilton that you would have seen in San Francisco and I saw in Los Angeles, uh, she is in the Umbrella Academy as well. So I, I'm not sure exactly when it's coming, but she gave an interview this week where he described, because he was talking about Bad Samaritan, but he was talking about umbrella academy and and that, it's not until next year 2019 sometime. but that it's going to function as i think with the graphic novel with the, or with the original comics it, it should function this way anyway is it's almost like an anthology 
And so, you know, it's kind of that shortened series idea, which is a lot closer to British television as well, which we mentioned she was in Misfits, at least the first three or four seasons of that British superhero show. Maybe it's not really a superhero show. It's about people in the orange jumpsuits that are given superpowers. Um, So, and interestingly, speaking of an anthology show, and I've still passed the first episode, I have not had a chance to get back. But FX, in the middle of the first of the second season of Legion, just ordered another episode, one episode for it, which makes me wonder about the structure. If they weren't sure they were going to get to, you know, I mean, because I assume because like last season was so well structured that you know led to this great cliffhanger, that then they went, okay, but then it became the mystery of, of, of this season so far. Well, assuming they're still in production, I think that's just a a rational thing to do if you determine your your storyline is actually bigger than what you had planned, well, and you don't yeah, you don't well, find that it, out a lot of times because what I don't it. because what I don't hear is yeah they were given a full season order, but I don't but now that they've added an episode to that season, whereas the opposite happened with the Orville, it's renewed for a season two, but they chopped off the last episode of the first season and that will be the, the be the first episode of the second season. So mm-hmm. but but the Orville's not functioning in a kind of the serialized way lightly, but it's not as tightly plotted through uh, through a season the way that uh, that Legion is that any and Noah Hawley's other show Fargo. I don't think Fargo's coming back. I should also mention that we don't have the trailer up that uh, Hulu released a trailer for Castle Rock the Stephen King series anthology series that's coming to Hulu. And you know, there you go again, too much television. And I, I will make room for castle rock because it's Stephen King. You know, I just, he's on a roll. No pun intended. Um, but I would hope I, I know it's, it's an anthology and there'll probably be shorter stories in the King vein, but I would really like to have somebody do, Oh, you know, castle rock, uh, is of course the place where a lot of King stories took place. Mm-hmm. Cujo, um, uh, needful things, needful things. And needful things really was an excellent book and a horrible movie. And I never saw the movie The it could have been a wonderful movie if they just trusted the source material. But again, like the, 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 the final, uh, final battle in, uh, of, of sorts in that is just, is terrific. Uh, and they 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 totally wimped out on it, but Castle Rock that was and Needful Things was uh, the subtitle of the last Castle Rock story uh, until the but, next one until until the TV series. <laughs> he, well, no, I think I think he went back to Castle Rock. I, 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 I think he showed it showed up again in a book or two, or at least maybe it's it's like referenced again. It may have been referenced, yeah. Yeah. So uh, yeah. Anyway, I'm looking forward to all of that, and of course now uh, we can step aside, and I have because. <laughs> My son uh, bought God of War and said uh, you, that I needed to. Uh, he was going to bring it this weekend so that I can play God of War while he watches the anime Batman Ninja. Uh, but he told me, he texted me this morning and said, "While well, you play God of War, so that means, Dad, you have to watch Batman Ninja tonight." <laughs> so <laughs> he's he's planned my weekend for me after free nice. comic book day. That was there nice of him. You know, uh, he, he's mastered time. 
And uh, so I'm going to watch Batman Ninja tonight, I think. And uh, so let you know uh, next time. Uh, we are uh, off for a couple of weeks because it's just no, I, I've taken a solemn vow on my trip to London not to bring any recording materials or things that would allow me to podcast or I was going to get punched. Um, so I, we have to take uh, suspension until we are appearing at Baycon, but we're we are not actually doing a podcast from there, right? Or we, we may do a podcast. Yeah, we may do a podcast. Okay, so... We're uh, not going to do a panel podcast. No, which is fine, because I, I like doing the standard. There's going to be a lot of news. And, and, and of course, on Sunday of Baycon, uh, this is the uh, Sunday after Solo opens, and we are with uh, J.C. Arkham of the Nirvana podcast, and we were doing a panel about, I can't remember the actual title, but kind of debating, have we Star wars out? Is it is it too much? In the same vein that you know that we're getting a Star Wars Resistance animated series uh, coming soon as well. So I think that'll be a fun fun panel. I'm really looking forward. I'm to I'm actually that. on two panels with JC. Can't remember where the other one was. I don't know. I don't. Maybe I, comics related. I, I yeah. I can't remember what which ones I'm in. I you know I I'm on one about adult animation. I know that, and that's on Saturday. So, uh, but I think the Star Wars conversation would be interesting because I think we all have very conflicted feelings about the, the franchise and, uh, but it all boils down to everybody loves it, but yeah. uh, that are pieces that we, uh, disagree, disagree upon. So I think it will be a very, very fun panel. I look forward to that. So anyway, thanks everyone for listening and we'll talk to you next time. Of course, if you have any questions, comments, compliments, commentary, criticism, if you're Chris Buckley, Write in to editor at fanboyplanet.com because you might get the four Pete. I don't know. It could happen. <laughs> it could happen. And, and, and anybody, of course, I'd love hearing from you. You can find us on Facebook. We have a Fanboy Planet page on Facebook. We, of course, uh, you can tweet at us at, uh, at tw- on Twitter at Fanboy Planet. And I did learn, okay? So I still think this is an awkward verb for it. But Instagram, they say Insta. It just doesn't roll. No, I'm not going to no. insta-ing or I'm gramming. Uh, that sounds weird, but uh, tell me. You can write in I'll to talk, editor. Fanboy I'll talk Pat. to Mikey about it and see what he says. Well, no, I, I asked a millennial. I, I, I said, oh, no, I know, I, know, I know one of the founders of the company. Okay, well, hey, we all know. Just because you found a company doesn't mean you get to determine its <laughs> vocabulary. Let's be honest. So, anyway, whatever it is, you can reach out to us on Instagram at Fanboy Planet. You can follow us there. Uh, there are often a lot of photos that don't show up on, on the site that show up there just because it's like cool stuff that it's like, Oh, you know, this is cool. Uh, sometimes I curate things that I find jokes that other people put that are superhero related or cool art. And so, you know, it's worth it. And, uh, thanks so much and for supporting us and listening. And we'll be, uh, with you the next time. I'm Derek McCaw, editor in chief of fanboyplanet.com. And I'm Rick Brett Snyder reminding you to. Use Use your your powers powers for for good. good. And thanks once again to the great Luke Ski for use of his music in this podcast. Visit Luke Ski at www.thegreat.com. Luke, L-U-K-E-S-K-I dot com.